Welcome to another edition of Reshaping America. This is your host, Kurt Flewelling. Well, there is a lot of, uh, as there always is these days, ladies and gentlemen, a lot of craziness going on in the country. Um, shootings and power grabs and all sorts of things. And if you've listened to my show with any degree of regularity, you understand that my whole thing is education. Uh, do not trust anyone at any time. Um, trust the Bible completely. Uh, I happen to be a Christian. My God tells me um, what is right, what is wrong. And that's where I draw my wisdom from. And in a very chaotic world, I think that's pretty sound advice. And as I've said thousands of times on this show, it, it seems to me the percentage of people that are actually thinking anymore and not and listening and not just reacting or cheering on a member of their party if they're doing something and then next week lambasting somebody that happens to have a D next to their name that's basically doing the same thing. I don't think that's very uh, productive. This that reduces these culture wars that we have in this fight to preserve this thing called America, freedom, liberty, it reduces it to really a game. Um, if the Republicans win, it's a good day. If they lose, it's a bad day. And I don't think it's that simple. And I think at the cornerstone of this and this political uh, debate, and we saw it a lot with the Trump administration and Trump devotees uh, cheering on things that heretofore they would have a large problem with if a democrat did them but since their guy does them or did them it's okay and i think this is selective outrage and i just think it's not very good because it does not promote critical thinking basic logic things that are not taught in school anymore at any level and um you know furthermore we don't learn anything from anybody. We we have people figured out in two seconds because they're a conservative or a liberal, Republican or Democrat, Christian or Muslim, and we have them all figured out. We don't listen to anything they have to say. They don't listen to anything we have to say. We try to make a point. They stuff a sock in our mouth and blackball us or cancel us, and we do the same um, to them, and on it goes. And the reason I uh, bring this up is I heard a talk show host yesterday, a guy that I'm not going to out, but he is usually generally very, very solid and logical and on the right side of things, if you will, as far as I'm concerned anyway. And I heard him because we, we're hearing a lot in the news these days uh, about gun grabs by the Biden administration, harder and harder to uh get a gun, register a gun, get ammunition, etc. People are very panicked out there. And uh, the demagoguery that is going on when law enforcement shoots anyone, but it, for the purposes of this discussion, African-American citizens is something that should be quite concerning, but it should never be demagogued. And the lack of transparency, the the massaging of the facts anytime a police officer is involved in any shooting of any type is really quite troubling to me. And, you know, I, I heard this 
talk show hosts rightly point out that many times when police are involved in this, um, one situation is very different than the other, which is very different from the other, and they have to be taken on a case-by-case basis, and all facts have to be analyzed. And we let the truth uh, unfurl, if you will. That's the way we do it in this country. We don't, at least yet, march on people's houses and drag them out and beat them down just because we feel like it. Um, although that does occur, as, as we sadly see in the news. But for the most part, we let justice play out the way it's supposed to play out. And so this particular host was decrying, if you will, how the police were getting a bad rap in many of these situations and people were rushing to judgment. Um, and I agree with him. But he, he, he went down this road of very tortured logic when he compared and contrasted the poor unfortunate lady that got killed on January 6th in the um, storming of the uh, Capitol building. And um, when I heard this, I, I, I was a little surprised because I said uh, you know, to myself, I like this guy. But it is a very clear illustration of when <clears throat> your guy does something, you like it. And when the same thing happens with somebody else, you don't like it. And it, that's very troubling to me. So he was going down this road that this lady, uh, he, you know, rightly, he says, you know, we do not know the name of the police officer that shot her. Now, at that point in time, I'm with him on that. If you're going to out charge, draw, quarter a police officer, for just doing their job for the most part, uh, either rightly or wrongly doing their job, then we certainly probably should know the name of the Capitol Police officer that shot this lady, and we don't. Um, So I'm with him to this point. But when he starts down this road of the us and them thing, then we all dig our heels in and nobody's listening and it's problematic. He started down this road of, um, well, let me let me first lay this out to, to get a little flavor for the Capitol Police. And, and, and please understand, I'm a big fan of law enforcement for a whole host of reasons. Uh, they are, the, as I have said countless times, they are our last line of defense from bad guy to good guy. And if you don't have uh, police and you defund the police, as they have done in many liberal cities and municipalities around the country, the end result is 1,000% predictable. Crime goes up, uh, gun ownership goes through the roof, people are scared, it's a very bad situation, and you basically are on your own protecting yourself if the police are minimized, compromised, et cetera, et cetera. So I am a big fan of law enforcement. But my analysis of the Capitol Police is this, and it just gives us a nice little foundation for what I'm about to say. They're basically like park police, if you will. If you've ever gone to a federal park, we have um, many of them in the general Philadelphia area here. And those police officers issue tickets, uh, pick up trash that has been tipped over, give directions to bikers, you know, things like that. And this is no slam on these people they're doing a job everybody's got a job to do right but they are not your hardcore inner city 
police officer. Let's just put it that way. For the most part, there is some exceptions to that. This is just my opinion on January 6th. I, I felt that it was very, very conspicuous that a lot of police basically did not do their job. And I, and I think it went far beyond that they were bungling or they're not really hardcore cops. I think they were very sympathetic to left causes and um, I believe purposely kind of let their guard down, if you will, in order to create a very, very bad optic for Donald Trump. Um, this was an accident waiting to happen. It was quite predictable. And some said it was very predictable and it was on the radar of many, many people in Washington. It remains to be seen. But to me, at first blush, when I saw that January 6th riot, if you will, whatever the heck you want to call it, the first thing that came to mind is where are the cops here? They're supposed to be protecting the sacred capital and our lawmakers and the ease with which people entered this building was very conspicuous to me. So you got that going on. And then you have a fair amount of these Capitol Police. They were actually doing their job. They're good cops. They took their job seriously. And they managed the situation in some areas of the Capitol very well. And then you have this guy that shot somebody entering the Capitol. Now, here's where I think the talk show host gets into partisanship uh, he starts talking about the fact that the poor unfortunate woman that was killed was a veteran as much as I'm very pro-veteran I come from a family uh, tons and tons of veterans that have served our country honorably the fact that she's a veteran is a matter of indifference to me if somebody is going to break into my house and threaten um, whatever I have in my in my house or my person I really don't care if they've served our country honorably or what their motivation to do me harm is. I have to react in the same way as if they were a veteran or a non-veteran or this or that. Does that make sense? I'm sure it does. So the fact that she's a veteran and this guy is starting to paint a scenario where she should have been treated differently in a situation where a cop has very uh, a few seconds to react is curious to me. Uh, this particular host and many others on the right will say that a police officer should not be judged when they make a mistake or make a hairpin or a, a quick decision uh, that you know boils down to life or death, particularly of uh, innocent citizens. But yet we're supposed to, I don't know, check this lady's veteran card and 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 see that she may be a veteran i don't get it he further goes on to say she went through an open door again quite bizarre in his comments uh if if i am dumb enough to keep my front door wide open and ne'er-do-wells enter into it in the evening and i catch them in my house i'm not it's not a catch and release Hey, you know, Mr. Criminal, it was my bad. I left the door open. You didn't really break any windows. You didn't shoot up the place. No harm, no foul, right? 
no, we don't do that. Uh, this is my home. This is my property. If I'm stupid enough to leave a door open and somebody goes in it, they're still trespassing. They're still a criminal. All right. So uh, now I'm, my antennas are really going up. We're 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 playing the veteran card. We're downplaying the fact that she didn't break anything or put her feet up on Nancy Pelosi's desk like some other idiots did. And then he really put the cherry on the Sunday, which really bothered me. And it really bothered me on a whole host of fronts, none the least of which is the guy's pretty solid. And when when guys that are thinkers start talking like this, it really kind of bugs me. And um, the cherry on the Sunday was he said, and you know, this is really her house. Our taxes pay for the capital and the people that are in it. And I, I, I just, I almost drove off the road. I can't believe he said something like that. So because she's a veteran, because a door was open, and because technically she pays for that house, she has the right in the midst of a riot, and that's basically what it was when countless people stormed the Capitol. That's a riot. That's an out of control situation. She, in in this split second, in this world of split second decisions, this police officer is supposed to take all of those things into consideration and be deferential to her and not shoot her. That's crazy. If you storm the Capitol, you're probably going to get shot. And there is historical precedent up the yin-yang in the last hundred years of people that were dumb enough to do that and got nowhere near where the people got on January 6th and were summarily killed because you can't fool around with things like that. You just, you can't. So the reason I bring this up is when we have selective outrage, um, we're in trouble. And right is right and wrong is wrong. And in my opinion, my God is Jesus Christ. And if I'm not checking my values according to the Holy Bible, if I'm not a respecter of Judeo-Christian laws, that this is, this is what we have in our country, love that or hate that if you're on the left, that is undeniable. If, if those absolutes are not absolutes for you, well, that's your problem. This is the United States of America. Change those things legislatively. Amend the Constitution. Don't take a dump on the Constitution. And when we have individuals that when wrong is is wrong on the left, they will get on their soapbox and bark it out. And then when wrong is wrong on the right, they are silent. This is a bad situation. This is this promotes confusion and apathy and you know, just a disturbing scenario among many people, most of which don't care about all these things like you and I do. And they look up and make the snap judgment. There's nothing different between a Democrat and a Republican. They all do it. They're all corrupt. They all have a sliding scale of morals. 
and it's a free for all and, and 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 people just withdraw and people on the left lick their chops when people are either uh unengaged or un, uh, not thinking of the issues of the day and they just say just leave me alone i'll just go off into that good night pay for college try to pay my mortgage and just leave me alone and that's what people do when when they see people on the right that won't stand up and call out individuals like i'm calling out this talk show host who is on the right or politicians that are on the right that do things that in my opinion are not very conservative at all but if they're popular it's cool you know this is a problem and that's why i i always go back to orient yourself uh, become a born-again christian as as far as i am concerned that is my god that has been my rock my absolutes are derived from the holy scriptures and the more i am steeped in christ the less i am going to be ripe for the next issue that comes down the pike that is not true i will smell it and um, the wisdom that i derive from the holy spirit helps me in doing that so we're in a culture now where we have shootings and these shootings are are uh, exploited by people on the left. We just had a terrible one this morning in Indianapolis. Uh, God be with the friends and family of those victims. Um, but these lead to unconstitutional gun grabs. We have um, the encouraging of illegal aliens flooding into our southern border that is being not only encouraged but promoted vigorously by people on the left because as they know and we're going to get to this article in a moment when it comes to the opinions of common sense liberty loving freedom loving folk out there liberals cannot get their way they just cannot so flooding the border with people that really know nothing about our constitution or our way of life or liberty or freedom all they really know are the basic tenets of this party is sympathetic to me getting into this country in an illegal way and i will reciprocate with my allegiance to this party in perpetuity that's the only thing that's going on when when the left promotes these very lax and loose and encouraging uh, scenarios for illegal aliens. Now, I will say this. I think it is quite juicy and ironic that um, they are the real racists on the left. And to assume that a person of one skin color or another or one ethnic identity or another is going to vote for you in perpetuity when in reality, oftentimes, uh, particularly among um, people from Latin America who entered this country legally, just ask Donald Trump, he ate into that demographic seriously as far as Hispanics voting for him. Um, don't be so sure that if people are in this country, for an extended period of time and they have a little spring to their step 
and they start to be crushed by this thing called oppressive taxation, that they're not going to figure out that a blind allegiance to the party that let them in five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, is probably the way to go. And Donald Trump, love him or hate him, he, he may have sounded real tough on the border, but that didn't dissuade a record number of uh, Hispanic voters in this country, albeit probably the large majority of them legal um, citizens, of voting for him. So the, the, the true racism is on the part of the folks on the left that, that think that if they're doing you a favor by promoting identity politics, that you will reciprocate for your entire life. And that's not necessarily true. And that's very short-sighted and demeaning uh, of the individuals that, that you're using as chess pieces. So we have that. We have Supreme Court packing. Now, everybody says um, this is just a trial balloon. Don't get all excited about this. But the mere fact that it is, that it is even being brought up as far as uh, prospective legislation is, is troubling beyond comprehension. And we'll get to that story in a moment. But when, when you live in a world where it just seems to be spinning off its axis, um, you better ground yourself in something. You better find out where the truth lies and how to digest truth and stand up when your party or your neighbor or people that, I guess the old school term for it, should know better, are are saying crazy things and they're just cheering like cheerleaders when the guys with R's next to their name do crazy things, but they're silent or they, they scream uh, foul when somebody on the left does it. You, you got to be in the midst of that and you got to call it out and we got to change this thing because that percentage of people that are thinking in this country are just dwindling. And and another thing here is why do you think, if you even think of these things at all, why do you think this all seems to be happening at warp speed? Now, if you're a Christian, you can get into the Jesus is coming thing and it's got to get horrible before it gets better. And, you know, there's some merit to that. But from a practical standpoint, these guys just got into office. Joe Biden, questionable if he's going to last four years. And I think that's that's a very uh, kind estimate on my part. I'm not being mean to the guy. I've defended the guy as far as his health is concerned on numerous occasions. You have a 50-50 tie in the Senate, and a couple of those um, senators in Georgia are up for re-election in 2022, and um, you have a, a, a Republican minority that is breathing down the neck of a Democrat majority in the House of Representatives, and you know all they 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 have a six-vote plurality which means if they lose three votes out of a, a, a large number of House members, if they lose three votes on any piece of legislation that and the Republicans are unified, which is a big if, then 
much of this left-leaning stuff does not happen. So why in a, if, if you are Nancy Pelosi, for example, and you're very power thirsty, even though she's in her 80s, why with such slim margins and the very real possibility of the Senate flipping to Republicans, the House flipping to Republicans, an executive branch that is really teetering, if you will, with a guy in ill health and a vice president that is really not ready for prime time in many, many ways. Why would you put the pedal to the metal and go at warp speed right now? Well, I think I just answered that question. They're not stupid either. And they understand the American electorate. Now, all of this is a moot, a moot point if you do not have election integrity. If you have election integrity and you understand that this country is not a left-leaning country, it's a, it's a center-right country and probably further to the right than that, and you're a leftist, you're a Marxist, you're a socialist, you're a communist, you're a statist, you're, you're a, a power-hungry central planner, which we have many of in our state capitals and in Washington. If you are that animal, you understand very fully if the, electri- uh, the elections are solid in all municipalities from the bottom to the top and the people can speak, you know, and, and your margins are thin at best and your executive branch is teetering at best, you know that you got to move pretty quickly. And this goes into my next article here, um, you know, which which kind of questions like, you know, at first blush, why would they be doing this at warp speed as far as the executive orders and the outlandish trial balloons, if they're even trial balloons, that we're going to pack the court D.C. and Puerto Rico statehood, et cetera, et cetera. Why would you go at warp speed? Some contend that they know darn well that these crazy left lurching policies will lead to defeat in 2020. But as this one article um, alludes to, and I'll read it in a moment, you know, the Democrats suffered some pretty large defeats after the unconstitutional way that they rammed Obamacare down all of our throats. And they got crushed in the next election. But if the cause is forwarded, if Obamacare is the law of the land, if the cheese weenies on the right don't repeal Obamacare, and they've had numerous uh, occasions to do that, the, the, the last time where the, the best opportunity to do it was in 2017, and they folded like card, cha- uh, card tables. If you know that when when a, a law is passed, either constitutionally or unconstitutionally, popular or unpopular, that it is very, very difficult to scrub from the books. You mortgage the future. So what the heck is a loss for the Democrats uh, post-Obamacare if the uh, Obamacare legacy is going to go on for years, which is which it has. It's gone on for unbelievably over a decade now, which is crazy. But 
it's in place. So some would contend that the losses that the Democrats will sustain inevitably in 2022, if elections, I keep saying this, if elections are on the up and up, um, are quite worth it. Now, there's others that may not feel that way. Um, They may be moderate um, Democrats. They may be Democrats new to the party that like the paycheck and the perks and the um, uh, perks that that go on and keep giving uh, well after you're out of uh, the House of Representatives or the Senate. And they may not be willing to sacrifice up their jobs and their way of life. They they may have kids that they got to put through expensive colleges or they may want to buy another home. And um, they may not be on board with this craziness. Um, I, you know, Nancy Pelosi is very, um, let's just say, lukewarm to the idea of packing the court. Now, who knows what her reasons are? In her 80s, she may not be ready to go off in that good night, and she may know darn well that if she loses in 2022, it probably does spell the end of her career as speaker. She may not want to do that. Um, Or she may very well want to take one for the team and maybe sounding like she's not a leftist or a radical. One does not know, but we will read this article in a moment, but she does seem to be a little shy to the idea, but open to the idea. Um, So... I don't know. The way I look at this is if you look at somebody in life that is perpetrating wrong, if you will, um, they usually exploit the situation and they do it quickly. Criminals move very quickly. They don't have a cup of coffee while they're stealing your stuff. Um, legislature Legislators routinely exploit shootings and pandemics and all sorts of things to move at warp speed. And there's a reason for that. When people have cool heads, when situations aren't so cloudy, when wrong is clearly wrong and a wrong is being perpetrated and people have the time to slow down and digest that, it usually gets slapped back at the ballot box. But when people are whipped up, they don't know all the facts. They want people's head on a stick yesterday. And things are moving very, very quickly. That's when bad ideas and wrong is perpetrated. It, it just is in, in all walks of life. That may very well be what you're seeing here. So um goes on to the first article that I uh, would like to analyze today. It says, left is willing to sacrifice Democratic majority ramming their agenda through. Now, the article says, from nuking the filibuster to packing the Supreme Court, some Democrats want to make the most of their narrow congressional majorities while they still have them, even if that puts the party at a greater risk of losing next year. Democrats introduced legislation on Thursday to expand the number of Supreme Court justices from nine, which is where it has been for 150 years, 
to 13. We're not packing the court, said House Judiciary Committee Chairman Jerry Nadler, a, a New York Democrat, said. We are unpacking it. As the bill was unveiled, the Democratic majority in the House was down to just six seats. The Senate is deadlocked at 50-50, with Democrats in control due to VP Kamala Harris. And midterm elections are next year. Um, And the article goes on to say what I just said. The party has suffered major losses under previous Democratic presidents in 94, 2010, 2014. so mid-year elections uh, for all part or all you know Republican or Democrat are usually not good for the um, the party that is in the White House, and so it makes you kind of scratch your head why they're doing this. Um, it says liberals would like to see Democrats go for broke, passing the boldest progressive agenda they can muster while they still maintain unified control of the elected branches of the federal government. The court legislation would allow them to add the judiciary to the list. They point out that popular vote losses in close elections did not deter Republicans from pursuing their goals under former President Donald Trump and George W. Bush. Now, we can stop right there. This is the reason, as I've said a thousand times, that they hate and hated Donald Trump. It's not because he's a conservative, because he's not an ideologue. The, The king of talk radio, Rush Limbaugh, said that all the time. He's not a conservative. He's not an ideologue. He exploits conservative principles and taps into a current of, um, some degree of conservatism out there. But Donald Trump has never, been a conservative or or somebody that is an ideologue for that matter. And this is a classic illustration of why he was so effective and why they hate him so much. His um, uh, promoting of uh, Amy Coney Barrett is exactly what a liberal Democrat or any Democrat would do. They wouldn't think twice about it. Republicans get squishy and squirmy and, oh, that might be perceived as whatever. Not Donald Trump. He's a fighter and he operates just like Democrats do, not ideologically, but as far as fight is concerned. And Democrats will fight you if they're in the majority. They'll fight you if you're in the minority. They will fight you every day of the week. And the article says, you know, Donald Trump did push through agendas toward the end of his administration with with no degree of second thought. And um, so they, they quote a conservative operative here that says they will burn down their majorities in order to save them. Interesting comment. That doesn't extend to every leading Democrat. President Joe Biden punted the size of the Supreme Court to a commission. Now, that's really not punting because this is a commission that he um, has handpicked a number of people to study, air quotes there, study the issue, they're going to come up with a conclusion that it's a good idea to have 13 judges rather than nine. So he's just doing the politically correct thing right now. Um, Jen Saki told reporters 
he certainly understands that the members of Congress have a range of views. The members of Congress have a range of views, and they're going to propose legislation he may or not he may or may not support. Um, now, on to Nancy Pelosi. The article here says she was less equivocal. No, the California Democrat told reporters when asked about Nadler's bill, I have no plans to bring it to the floor. Look, she would love nothing more than to pack the courts, continue on the liberal legacy for decades to come. But at the end of the day, I've commented on Nancy Pelosi for years. She's a self-preservationist. So she's got to she's got to do the dance. She's got to say stuff publicly like, no, I'm not for this, even though everything in her being is for something like this. But she is a politician. Um, and lastly, I'll just read this. It um, it says uh, liberals in the past, uh, when Pelosi was speaker and Biden was vice president, Democrats have lost their House majority after passing Obamacare. This is what I said before, but it was the biggest legislative accomplishment that those Obama-era majorities achieved. Republicans failed to repeal it when they had the chance in 2017, and I might add many, many other times, and it brought about lasting change. So here's the gang, here's the yang. If you are, I don't know, maybe an old school Democrat, you like what you do for a living down there in Washington and you enjoy the perks and the money and you have pressure from your family to keep up whatever or your constituents, God forbid, right? Um, you may put the brakes on some of this crazy legislation. You may not be so willing to take one for the team if you just got to Washington. Now, if you're a little long in the tooth, you've been there a long time, you got some sweet consulting deal afterwards, you're a multimillionaire, um, many go into Washington somewhat poor, and they come out millionaires almost every single time. Um, you may say, yeah, you know, let's, um, let's forward this and, and let's die on this hill. And we may die pol politically, but we're going to live on uh, financially. Um, many politicians in the history of, of American politics have uh, checked any degree of rightness or wrongness at the door or morality or conviction uh, with the hope of a little payoff down the road. It's called having no soul. And so there's a lot of things going on here Um so we shall see. Uh, are these people ready to, you know, to sacrifice up everything in 2022? Um, I don't know. So on to a big uh, announcement that we just uh, spoke of yesterday. It was like Supreme Court expansion um, is a building block for a far left amid hesitancy from top Democrats. Again, you have this yin and yang. You throw out these trial balloons that may or may not be trial balloons, and you see how the the politicians react, see how the people react. It says top Democrats in, in, uh, had immediate lukewarm reactions to a bill that proposed expanding the number of seats on the Supreme Court from 9 to 13, seemingly putting the legislation on hold. 
But the bill's Democratic sponsors indicated that the purpose of the legislation is primarily to be a building block and a tool to garner more support for packing the court with more members who are ideologically friendly. And and let me stop right there and, and, and just harken back to a speech I gave at a venue. Um, my goodness, it was about four and a half years ago. It was in the 11th and a half hour of the Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton uh, race. And I was invited to speak somewhere. And the people, uh, and particularly the person that um, she heard me on the radio and said, you got to come and speak here we have um, kind of a diverse cross-section of people, um, logical, old-school Democrats, uh, Christian conservatives, Republicans, uh, just a, a soup of many, many different people that were really, you know, wanted to hear about uh, my thoughts, at least, on uh, the candidates as we were winding down in the um, September, uh, two th- or excuse me, 2016 election. And the the biggest driving force of this person that got me to speak at this venue was i'm a i'm speaking for her right now i'm a christian but and i don't like donald trump's views on this and this and this and i'm a little leery about this and this and this this is before many people didn't know a lot about donald trump We just have to do this as faith-based voters to stop Hillary because the courts will be unrecognizable if we do this. And I, I thoroughly understand that argument and appreciate it. I went to the venue, did the best I could to articulate what I'm about to articulate to you, that it's not really about the courts. We are playing by their rules on their field. And if that's the case, we're going to have scenarios like we have right now. The Supreme Court is a co-equal branch of government. And as I've said thousands of times here, the, the nature abhors a vacuum. So if the House of Representatives does not legislate, what will happen is the executive branch will start legislating by executive order, which I am not a big fan of. Donald Trump used it all the time. And we saw how long many of these things that he, by edict, um, decreed. They, they, they lasted, as I predicted, and it doesn't really take a rocket science to predict, scientist to predict this. They lasted four and a half seconds. Um, and somebody... Um, put a a pen in uh, Joe Biden's hand, taped it together and said, sign this. Don't worry about it. And so as as quickly as Donald Trump was a hero with his executive orders, Joe Biden just erases them. So we have presidents acting like kings and, and just not waiting for the legislative process to happen. We have a legislature that's not legislating. So what happens? We all sit there and bite our nails, Republican and Democrat, and we wait for nine people in black robes
things. Um, that's foolish. The, the Supreme Court should not have the power that it has. And leftists love it when the Supreme Court has that much power because they can't get things done by numbers or by their representatives in a legislative um, manner. So they do end runs around the legislature and they elect presidents that act like kings and sign things into um, being by the stroke of a pen. And when things like abortion and all sorts of other cultural issues uh, cannot be ferreted out, then these people in black robes decide. And that should not be. And so the bigger issue is not necessarily, nor was it in 2016. We need to elect a Republican so he's going to put or she's going to put, you know, good people on the bench to make sure this country uh, respects the Constitution. That's silly. Um, that's short term thinking. Uh, do I think at the risk of kind of crapping on everything I just said that it's better to have six constructionist or at least five and a half constructionist on the Supreme Court right now and three people that are pretty strongly liberal? Yeah, of course I do. But that's not the issue. Because when you do things outside the will of the people, as leftists do, as state planners do, as totalitarians do, the people in the black robes are only as good as what the construct is today. Um, the construct right now is six out of nine of them are pretty sympathetic to what the Constitution says and will strike down unconstitutional things of major import. Okay? Do you think that bothers the left? They know how to do end runs around rules, regulations, laws, They've done it for years. They will do it today. They will do it until Jesus Christ comes back. Okay? So this proposal, if you will, of nine Supreme Court justices to 13 is a glaring example of that. You have one man who has diminished capacity is going to, if this goes through, is going to appoint uh, four more judges and almost assuredly forever change the the landscape in the United States of America. So so right there you have five people that basically are going to control many many things that affect you and I and our families and our communities. That's insanity. And that is a clear example of people on the right putting way too much stock in this Supreme Court thing and not putting enough stock into getting strong, conservative, constitutional-loving Americans to run for school board or township supervisor or dog catcher or, you know, mayor of a small city and, and just make these municipalities and these regions and these states strong so they can stand up to a federal government that is on the march and is encroaching on your life and my life every day of the week.
um, we are really, really missing it when our uh, our objective is to just get a president in place that's going to declare edicts and to promote people in the Supreme Court that are constitutionalists um, or constructionists. I think that's good, but it misses the point. And all we need is a little bit more election fraud and this thing to flip even further to an expansion of the House of Representatives to Democrats, excuse me, um, an expansion of the Senate, um, a just a, a killing of the filibuster, if you will. And then things like 13 members of the Supreme Court, statehood for Puerto Rico and um, uh, D.C., a perpetual plurality of Democrats in in these uh, in these bodies because of um, statehood for D.C. and Puerto Rico. These things are a reality and people will stop at nothing in order to achieve them. And so what is the answer? The, the long-term answer and the short-term answer to this is Jesus Christ. He does not change. Republicans, as, as um, I have uh, witnessed, and I, I left the Republican Party some 14 years ago, they change. They say what they need to say to get elected. They are democrat light. And they are worse than Democrats in many, many areas because they have the temerity to use God to get elected, to use godly principles and um, to get elected. And then when they're elected, they do whatever the heck they feel like, and they take a big steaming dump on all the heads of you Christians out there that are stupid enough to vote for them just because they have an R next to their name. And that's got to stop. And if you are a Christian and you're, you orient yourself, you, you are a slave to the Holy Bible, you, are a, you adhere to its principles, you are a respecter of the fact that the laws of this land are, are steeped in Judeo-Christian principles, if, if you grow in Christ, you will be less apt to fall prey to somebody with an R or a D next to their name. When things are wrong, you call them out as being wrong, regardless of political incorrectness. So when times are this crazy, this is the only answer um, as far as uh, our culture is concerned. As far as your eternal resting place, that's a much bigger uh, reason to give your life to Jesus Christ. But a But a secondary way down the list byproduct of doing that is you will slowly but surely wake up to the game that is being played either in your state capital or in Washington. In the remaining minutes that we have left, um, you know, uh, one more article. I was going to read it last week. It's kind of a little older, but I will read it. It says, the state owes deference to the church. And, you know, why do we talk about the importance of the church all the time and uh, religion? I don't really like that word, but we'll say it for the purposes of this discussion. And God, what, what does all this have to do with um, the cultural issues of the day? Uh, well, I, I just articulated 
that God never changes, his principles never change. So that's a pretty good reason to be steeped in that. But, you know, it, it probably bears repeating or reading now. Our First Amendment kind of articulates why religion and God are such a big deal. And we're very integral in in the um, this experiment called the United States of America. Um, First Amendment says, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or promoting the free, or excuse me, prohibiting the free exercise thereof, or abridging the freedom of speech, or of the press, or of the right of the people to peaceably assemble, and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Now, everybody that talks about the First Amendment that doesn't know what the heck they're talking about thinks free speech is just something that we should have. Why Why did the comments in the First Amendment that before they talk about free speech, they talk about religion? Because at the time, that was the cornerstone of why we broke away from um, England, okay? We do not have a theocracy. Uh, we, we, those spirited Americans at that point in time, or prospective Americans, if you will, um, did not like being told that they had to worship a certain um, king or a certain god. Or they wanted the freedom to do whatever they wanted to in the area of religion. And when you curtail freedom of speech, you curtail freedom of religion. So when you Christians that are out there that this is not your animal and you think this politics and religion should never intersect and the First Amendment, whatever, I just go to work and do my job. I go to church, um, throw a little bit of money in the plate, and that's about all I think about it. You better think again because um, the First Amendment was born out of a thirst, a desire to be a religiously free culture. And our forefathers knew that if we were not, if we didn't have the freedom to speak, then our freedom to peaceably assemble, worship the God of our choice would be curtailed. So um, we are winding it down here. I don't really have time to uh, to go through too much of this, but um the gist of the article says tolerance is not the appropriate stance of government toward religion. Deference is the appropriate stance. And, and you know, maybe we'll do that in the next show. We will um, we will unpack the famous letter to the Danbury Baptist by Thomas Jefferson and debunk that um, myth that there is a wall of separation between church and state. Maybe that's a good way to end it today and a little tease for the show next week. And we'll get into the meat of this article that goes on and on and on about how this COVID-19 pandemic has, has just set up a very unhealthy collision course between blue state governors and the church. And, um, I think we'll just leave it at that, and next week we'll pick it up and um, discuss the church's role in our country and and how the church has been um, 
demonized and your ability to congregate because of this virus has been uh, severely restricted. And uh, that's probably a good way to end it. This is Kurt Flewelling, Reshaping America. Until next week, have a great day.